Welcome to Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about liturgical worship. My name is Father Yuri Gladio, and I'm an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning. I'm joined by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey holds a doctorate in liturgical theology and is the co-director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto. Welcome listeners. Welcome Father Jeffrey. It's the end. The end of our series on Vespers. It took us a year, Father Jeffrey. Yeah, for such a short service, we seem to have an awful lot to say. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, there's a lot There's a lot that we could keep saying, but I think, you know, you need to just end it when you need to end it, and that is right now. So this is it. This is the finale episode. And, you know, if you've been listening, you know, in the intro, I call Father Jeffrey my friend and teacher, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Or sorry, my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. I can't remember the order. Um, And as anyone who's gone to school knows that one of the last classes, if not the last class, is the review. Mm. Where you go over the exam questions, you make sure that you're on the right, um, you're on the, you have the right... um, expectations of the exam with what the teacher wants from you. So Father Jeffrey, today I thought we could review Vespers and I can maybe bring up a few of the things that I have learned and then you can let me know if I've been on the right track on that or not. That sounds good, but I'm not going to give you the exam questions in advance. Oh, okay. Well, that (laughs) that's going to be tough. Okay, here we go. Um, One of the things that I learned about Vespers. So Coming into recording this podcast with you, Father Jeffrey, I had really been under the impression that Vespers was a clear-cut narrative from beginning to end, much like, you know, a Hollywood movie, right? That you go from creation with Psalm 103 to the fall with the lamplighting psalms to, you know, redemption with... um, uh, all, all the way, you know, with gladsome light and then the promise of the future blessings with the Song of St. Simeon. So I I had this idea that Vespers was a clean cut narrative and all we had to do was pick out those things and accentuate them. And then people would sort of fall in love with Vespers again because they can like understand it as a story. But early on in the podcast, you... <laughs> you didn't blow it out of the water because you didn't, you didn't, uh, you just reframed that understanding um, to be about how, um, you know, for example, Psalm 103 at the beginning, it's not clear that it's just at the beginning of creation. It could be the way the world is supposed to be. It could be the way the world is in the age to come, right? That there's this, we are already beginning Vespers in kind of a redeemed world almost. Um, Did you want to speak a bit about how you reframed all that, Father Jeffrey? Yeah, so we don't want to take anything away from the fact that Vespers participates in the story of God, right? It is a narrative. There's no question. I guess the question is, though, where are we in that story, right? Who are we? What, What time is it? What's going on? What can we expect? And I think 
one of the really important insights is that it's not that we arrive as sort of spectators to this sort of grand drama from creation, fall through redemption, and then ultimately fulfillment, as you might have, um, you know, imagined some people articulating it and the, the way you had kind of thought of it. It is actually that we are real participants. We belong in this story. Well, what is our place within it? We are, we take up our place as those who are already the redeemed participants and members of God's covenant community. And so it's from that vantage point, you know, we're not asked to kind of imaginatively place ourselves in other positions. We're asked to kind of take up our responsibility, our ministry, our place as that. And so in regards to all of those great events of salvation history, which ultimately are all kind of expressed and experienced in the now, you know, we can't go backwards in time. We can't go forwards in time. We can only experience the present moment, but all of those things are present to us. Creation is present to us because we're not just reflecting on something that happened because God is ongoing, the creator, you know, he is the, the, everlasting creator the one who is creating and recreating the 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 old creation is being renewed everything is being brought to its fulfillment um god is not just the one who redeems his people one time god is the one who's constantly re you know bringing back his people and so although we are members of god's covenant community there are times we find ourselves isolated and and oppressed or you know under the 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 dark forces of this age that's passing away and so we have to kind of recover from those moments of of separation from the community and find our way back to god's family and to the temple and to the place where God's glory is most keenly felt in that communal life of the church. And so that's how we looked at, you know, the, that's the, the Psalms, uh, the lamplighting Psalms and, and the ritual around that is a kind of regathering, a, a restrengthening of, of God's covenant community. And then of course, the, the celebration of God as the one who amidst that darkness is the true light, you know, the, so the gladsome light that him to the Trinity and to, to Christ as, as the light of the world, even as the, the physical world is becoming dark again in that daily basis, we celebrate that light. And then, you know, you mentioned St. Simeon, not only a kind of eschatological figure, a figure who kind of announces the kingdom, but one who truly sums up what it means to be, uh, you know, a faithful servant of God, one who's capable amidst this world of seeing God's salvation, of declaring that, proclaiming that. And all of this is stuff that we are called to be and to do, right? It's not that... The, the Vespers story is one that, that we come to watch or just simply to be educated by or informed by. It's, it's truly formative and uh, counterformative to all of the other things that, that are around us in, in this world. And so we return again and again to live the story in the place where we are, right? We're not being asked imaginatively to think backwards or forwards, but to, to live the now with all of that complexity, knowing full well that God, the creator, is still at work bringing all things into his ultimate purposes. And we are, play a real part in that. We are called to, to not only 
see that and proclaim it, but to participate in it as, as citizens, enactors of the kingdom to come, those who bear that grace and bear that vision of what God is trying to do. And so it actually, you know, it, yes, it's, it's story, it's narrative, but not one that you simply enjoy at a distance. You have to get in, you have to muck in, you have to participate, you have to kind of be in infilled by this story and to realize that this is energizing and dynamic and uh, enthusing, right? It's literally, which means, you know, filled with God. We have to come to Vespers, be filled with God, and then continue the work that we're called to do. One of the one of the other things that I learned and I'm thinking about right now is particularly the the posture of sitting while listening to the reading of the Psalms. So for those listeners who might not know, um, right after the Litany of Peace, there's the section called uh, the Cathisma reading. Uh, and you can actually go back in our series to listen to that if you like. But um, on Saturday evenings, usually in parish life, that's sung in kind of antiphonal hymn style. So most people actually stand during the sitting Psalms. <laughs> Um, stand during the Cathisma. Um, but if you go during the week, the Psalms are read and the posture is to sit. And I always thought, well, that's that's a time to relax. Right? <laughs> um, that's just a time to like take a load off. And um, and I mean, you we explored how actually, yes, the posture is sitting, but it's a receptive posture, right? Um, it's a posture of listening to psalmody, right? Which is a bit, it's more meditative. It, it, it's a different form of prayer. And the posture of sitting um, was is not to say, all right, relax for five, 10 minutes while the psalm reading is going off. If you hear something, fine. If not, okay. It's more, okay, now sit and let the psalm wash over you. So that posture of sitting, I think, was something that I learned a lot about. Yeah, I think we, again, reframed some of our thinking around this in the sense that, um, you know, we tend to think sometimes of of sitting as the resting um, posture or relaxing, as you said. But I think the better way of thinking of it would be it's an active being still, if that makes sense, you know, and and and. Precisely in our culture where we're frenetic and always on the go, uh, we barely sit down to eat some days, you know, we pick up a sandwich and wander around with it as we try to go about our business and, and being still actually takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of attention. It takes a lot of intention and that's where the, the invitation lies here. It's, it's to, actually still our bodies, uh, the, the physical motion, the, the moving around, uh, to still our minds in terms of all the distraction and the, the kind of flitting from idea to idea, thought to thought that we have to really put a lot of effort into being still, right? Be still and know that I am God. Uh, be still and and begin to really reflect deeply from within the themes, the, the words, the, the teaching that we hear in the scriptures and the Psalms, be still and be present to the worship environment, to, to the, those who have gathered around in that community of God's covenant family. And to, to know that, that we are loved by God, to know that we are together in one place 
in that place where God is present to us and is speaking to us. So all of that requires an awful lot of effort and intention and purpose. And the idea of stilling our bodies at that moment of, you know, making sure that movement is kept to a real minimum, you know, it's not just, okay, these people are going to sit, whereas everyone else is going to wander around and, and, and do things. It, it really should be a, a, a palpable, discernible stillness that descends. And that, that takes an awful lot of effort in our world today, you know, probably more than ever before. We just don't know how to do this, right? Our typical thing when we're encountered by stillness and quiet is to kind of reach for uh, some sort of music player or podcast device or something to fill that that stillness. We, we're, we're kind of freaked out by stillness. Well, here's the church saying to us, liturgy saying to us, God saying to us, be still and know that I am God, you know, and that takes a considerable amount of, of uh, you know, in, intention, as I say, and, and we really need to learn how to do this because it's such a crucial part of the liturgical life that we have those moments. And they, they punctuate not just Vespers, but, but so many of, of the liturgical services. And so we need to learn this skill. Right. And if we're uncomfortable doing it, well, then so much the better. We need obviously to have learned it, you know, sooner and, and, and better than, than we have as a result. So I would really encourage our listeners to take advantage of that, those moments. And, and it, you know, it's not just about a little bit of a break or a lull in the service. It really is an important moment. And, you know, if we go back to those episodes, we talked about some specific things that we can be doing both with our bodies in terms of achieving that, that posture of stillness, but also, you know, where should our minds and hearts be at this time? What should we be, we be paying attention to and that sort of thing. So hopefully our listeners found that helpful. The podcast you're listening to reflects only the public half of the overall project of enacting the kingdom. Father Jeffrey and I actively post new episodes on our completely separate private podcast. This private space gives us the freedom to debate and discuss open and sometimes controversial questions regarding the Orthodox faith amongst a smaller and more dedicated audience. If you become a patron now, you'll get immediate access to our growing backlog of private episodes, including a discussion on the ordination of women and the coronavirus multiple spoon controversy. To get access to our private podcast, go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. Looking forward to having you join our growing community on Patreon. Now back to the show. You used a metaphor one time in one episode, Father Jeffrey. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, it stuck with me. But we were going through the lamplighting psalms, and these are four psalms, 140, 141, 129, 116. Oh, do I get four points for that on my exam, Father Jeffrey? Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and those four psalms are, uh, they sort of take us on a journey, right? We talked about the great U-shape, right, of, of the orientation, disorientation, reorientation. And, um, but then how these psalms lead with the, with the hymns that are interspersed, lead us to gladsome light, right? And the metaphor you used was that we're climbing a mountain. And when you're climbing a mountain, you're bowed low, like you're leaning forward, right? Because if you stand up straight, you're actually going to fall backwards. So you're actually like, um, you're climbing a steep hill, you have to lean forward and you have to actually almost prostrate yourself as you're climbing the mountain. But then when you reach the summit, 
you stand up, right? And and um, and that to me, that struck me in that moment in Vespers where we begin with, Lord, I, I cry to you, hear me, hear me, O Lord, right? This call of repentance and of supplication. And we can imagine ourselves in that, at that point in, in Vespers bowing ourselves, right? We are coming to the Lord prostrate. And then when we reach kind of that climactic moment, the deacon says, wisdom, stand upright. <laughs> and then we stand upright and then the, the congregation sings together, oh, gladsome light, right? Um, so that, that metaphor uh, really struck me, Father Jeffrey. So I think I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket for the future. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting way of of thinking about, you know, posture. And you know, sometimes we think of that bowed down posture or of, you know, the, you know just simply in terms of a kind of self-criticism uh, or of, you know, of being in a place where we, we still need to be redeemed somehow. And that's, you know, part of what factored into thinking of the kind of movement of, of Vespers in, in these different ways, that there's a, a moment where we somehow have been without God. But actually, those Psalms that, you know, you refer to are not the Psalms of the unbeliever or of the one who has yet to be redeemed, but the one who has is truly a member of God's family, who is a believer, who is faithful, but has found him or herself in a situation where, you know, things have been a bit difficult, right? It's been a bit of a slog. It's been a bit of hard work and being faithful hasn't always been easy because of what surrounds that person or because of temptations that have come in the way or distractions or, or whatever, all the kind of stuff that we know, you know, we're not unfaithful during the week when we have these struggles, we are just having to do the work of faith and the work of faith is, you know, as you say, it's like climbing the mountain and, and to, to climb a mountain, you have to kind of hunch over. And so that posture isn't always one of, you know, we need, you know, God in a way because we didn't have God before, but rather that we're doing the work of God and it's an effort. It, it takes every part of us. And there are moments when we are hunched over because of that, the ministry and effort that, that we're having to put in. And from that, we need to come into a time where we are just simply able to bathe in God's grace and his love and in the company of the others whom God has called into his family. And, and those are the wisdom stand up right moments, right? Where we can just receive, you know, from God. And it's not meant to be a whole lot of effort at that point. And so I think it's a different way of thinking about those postures, right? Because I mean, clearly there are moments when we are hunched over or prostrated because we are you know, just genuinely sorry for our sins and where we are begging forgiveness. Other times it's just because we're busy doing God's work and, and that takes a lot of, of effort. And so that, those, that movement through you know, those lamplighting psalms and that kind of U-shape that, that you refer to, it's not always away from God, right? It, you know, and then back towards God. It, it sometimes is just what you have to get up to because we're living in this, this world. We're in this overlap of ages. We're still in a place where the daily grind of being a faithful Orthodox Christian will bring toil and trouble and it will bring you know difficulty it will bring moments of of doubt it will bring moments of of difficulty and suffering and we just have to kind of lean through that but we will always be returning to that place where we are told stand upright you know god is here 
we are together, we have been restored to, to the community of his family, and we can worship together, you know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, all the nations. And, and that's where they kind of culminate with that then beautiful hymn, um, celebrating the light of God amidst all of the darkness, right? So, uh, so yeah, it's, I think it's, a, you know, it helps us to reshape, you know, our understanding of, of what our daily life and what our liturgical life look like and how they actually overlap, intersect, interlock, you know, support one another and that sort of thing. So church isn't an escape. Liturgy and Vespers are not our way of just kind of forgetting about everything that we're, we have to get up to, nor are our lives so separate from our life in God. It's, they have to work together, but they work together almost as you know, the times when God is with us, but it's, it's a hard go. It's a struggle. It's, it's a bending over. And there are times when God is with us and we can just rejoice and we stand up and we praise. And both of those things have to be there, right? It's, uh, it's always been so. The apostles lived this, the fathers lived this, all the saints of all ages. And, you know, we are no different. And so, as I say, coming back to this kind of overarching summary theme here, Vespers, in fact, all of the liturgy is about how we go about the business of being Christians and being faithful in God's covenant family. And so it has a lot to to tell us about how to live our lives in that way. Yeah, one of the, uh, you know, the idea and the inception of this podcast, one of the things we really wanted to, to make sure was that we explored how these individual parts of the Vesper service and Vespers as a whole actually changes and affects your life outside of church, right? And our, the title of our podcast is Enacting the Kingdom. And on first blush, you might think, well, enacting the kingdom, that means enacting kind of the liturgy. And there's truth to that, of course, but also it's actually enacting the kingdom in our daily life outside of church. And to me, one of the things that I found most exciting in our season, Father Jeffrey, have been those, that, those final episodes of all of our series where we explore that question. How does this part of Vespers change our life outside of church? And, and part of that is something very simple things, right? Like, what do we do with the electric lights in our house, right? Like, I think we talked about that when it came to, oh, glad some light, right? When we would turn on all the lights in the church. But like, what does it mean that during the week where we don't go to Vespers, can we sing this? Can we maybe, how can we set up our lights in our house to reflect we've shifted into an, an evening, right? Um, but then we, you know, we even had some more profound explorations of how it changes your life outside of church with Psalm 103 when we talked about death. Right. What does it mean when we sit at the deathbed of somebody that we know? How does Psalm 103 and our repetition of that every day or, or maybe once a week at Vespers, how does that actually change how we approach that situation? Uh, and also with the song of Simeon, right? Um, now let your servant depart in peace, O Master, according to your word. How do we understand our own death given the songs that we sing in Vespers? Um, so, Father Jeffrey, I, I mean... I'm sure our listeners enjoyed it as well. I really got a lot of value out of the um, out of the out of those explorations. Yeah, and I think one of the things maybe to 
sum up a lot of the, that reflection, you know, maybe as a, just a kind of caution here is, you know, don't think that all the dimensions of this, you know, we, we poured over, you know, things in, in quite a bit of detail at times and everything. And people might have the impression, well, now every time I go to Vespers, I have to remember all of this, right? Or I have to be moved or filled with, you know, every dimension of every aspect of this. And it's just not how it works, right? You, you've used the analogy, you know, a, a few times of, you know, how these things kind of, you know, just kind of wash over us, right? It's almost like a riverbed that will deposit its silt in successive waves or, you know, passing of, uh, of the water. And over a long period of time, that riverbed, you know, kind of builds up with, with that. And I think that silting process almost is how Vespers works. And there'll be times when one part of the service strikes us or enters into our hearts, or we remember that profoundly on a Wednesday evening, you know, several days after the Saturday Vespers that we've been to, or, you know, we'll find ourselves singing a particular part of of the service, or we're lighting a, a candle or a lamp during the week, and it reminds us of what happens in in church. I mean, all these kind of connections are really, really valuable, but it's not. It doesn't have to work a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time, right? So, I mean, I just want to, you know, caution people to to not think, well, suddenly now it's become so much more difficult, so much more complicated, uh, very rich, but but very difficult to to kind of do or to even kind of shy away from it because they think it's it's too much. It's that's not the point. We've looked at this in some detail only to show that whichever part of the service, even just one, you know, if that's working on you, then this is how it's working. It's doing all this marvelous, uh, this marvelous work. And there may be even periods in our life when we are more drawn to one part or another. And you spoke very eloquently about the whole prayer of St. Simeon, um, the song of Simeon that, you know, and how that has connected, you know, with, with parts of, of your uh, you know, experience in, in the church and family life and things like that. And I think that's marvelous, you know, for now, you know, that might be the thing that really, you know, moves you and some other time in your life, it might be something else. I think it's rich to the point where it doesn't have to be comprehensive at all times for everyone, if that makes sense, that, that there's something here for everyone. And it might be that some things connect with us and other things don't. And our listeners will have, you know, had a chance to, to maybe reflect on that a little bit as they, as they've listened to different episodes and maybe some parts haven't resonated quite, quite so much as others. And that's okay. You know, it liturgy is rich for that very reason that it gives us options and opportunities and it's not about, you know, you have to get every last, you know, point right. You've referred to the exam a couple of times. Well, that's not how the exam works. The, the exam is our lives, right? And how we, how we live those lives. And I think I really enjoyed when we were talking about, you know, the righteous Simeon, because here is a model for us all, you know, the, the one who amidst everything he was experiencing in his life. And it was a really a rather low point in human history, except that it wasn't. He saw through all of that and penetrated that with his uh, theological, liturgical vision. And he proclaimed the salvation of God had been seen, you know, by him and uh, all the promises fulfilled. Well, that's quite a model for us to, to be able to, to follow. So let us have those eyes of faith that allow us to, you know, take advantage really and, and the, take the opportunity, the occasion of these services like Vespers to be able to, to grow in faith, to in, increase our spiritual vision, to learn to, to live more fully as kingdom bearers in this world. But it's not 
there's no exam that says you have to understand or parse out every part of the service. And uh, it, it's rich beyond imagine and uh, beyond imagination and a mystery that we will continue to explore and unfold. I hope Vespers is one of the main services in the kingdom, right? That we will continue to celebrate this. Well, Thank you very much, Father Jeffrey. This was uh, th- this is the end of our series on Vespers. We, I think we'll make a couple of announcements about our upcoming season, but uh, it's a little bittersweet. We're saying goodbye to Vespers, but we're saying hello to another service. So we're going to be going through in our third season, um, baptism, the service of baptism, the reception of people into the Orthodox Church. And yeah, uh I think part of the thinking here, Father Jeffrey, was we wanted to... um, So Vespers is actually a service from the Liturgy of the Hours, right? Which we talked about very early on, uh, go to sometime in August or September of uh, 2020, and you'll um, you'll find us talking about about that. Uh, But the... That that the Vespers is a service of the Hours... But baptism isn't a service of the hours, right? It's like baptism isn't called for every morning at 8 a.m. Um, it's it's an occasional service. So do you want to just give a little bit of a teaser on, on that, Father Jeffrey? Yeah, so, I mean, that's... You know, we have services that are appointed, you know, during the the liturgical year, during the liturgical week, during the liturgical day. So they're all set at different times. So that would be the the kind of liturgy of the hours as well as Eucharistic liturgies somewhat fit into that. There's a slight nuance to, to be made. Um, the the Eucharist is always a in in breaking into time of 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 the kingdom. And so uh, the divine liturgy, for example, can actually be appointed for all different times of the day. In fact, it has very specific reasons that it is, and we'll eventually, I'm sure, talk about that. But but then there are what you call needs-based or occasion-based um, services, which, you know, as the, the name suggests, you know, only arise when you have the need. In fact, the uh, the in the, the Slavic churches, um, the, the name for the service books that uh, encompass all of these occasional services is the, the great book of needs, right? So, you know, you might have built an apiary and you want that blessed father yuri and so there's a service mm, yes. for that and so but but not everybody needs that service right because not everybody has an apiary or a boat or or a baby to be baptized or a couple to be married or whatever these these arise because the need exists right and so um that, that we're going to look at the whole cycle really around the what are called the mysteries of initiation. So you've got baptism, chrismation, and indeed receiving divine communion. But it begins even long before that. We need to prepare people for for those services. So we've got you know everything from you know the the, the naming and churching of infants through making catechumens and and all of that preparation. And we'll talk about where all that originated and what its themes are, and then get into the actual baptism and chrismation um, itself and what what that means for us. Not just simply you know, and this is the the key thing that none of those services, even though they're they're needs based or occasion based are limited to the moment when they they take place right so if we bless things or we we bring things together and we have sacraments connected with these things it doesn't just affect that moment it's meant to be an entirely transformative 
uh, participatory experience that affects us every day. Every day we need to live out our baptism and chrismation or indeed our marriage or indeed our ordination or whatever it is. And so we'll be looking, you know, as we look through the services of baptism and chrismation at how that actually is not something we need we should be forgetting, right? That we, we need to continually remember and return to that. So, so that'll be a, a really fun series to explore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We also have a very special announcement as well. This is the very last episode that will appear as exclusively an audio podcast. So, we will continue to post all of our episodes as audio podcasts here. So if that's how you listen to episodes, nothing is changing. We are also, in addition adding a video component on YouTube. So we will be releasing all of our episodes as videos on YouTube as well. So you can now watch me and Father Jeffrey for better or for worse. You can watch us as we give our discussion or you can listen to us in the car or on a walk or cooking. Um, And also every uh, week we'll be releasing short little episodes, little snippets uh, as well on topics. So look forward to that on YouTube. Um, you can look up Enacting the Kingdom on YouTube in um, in a week or so, and we should be live there. Um, I think that's about it, Father Jeffrey. I really enjoyed this series on Vespers, and I hope that the Baptism One uh, grows even more, and I learn even more. Excellent. It's been fun. You've just finished listening to another public episode of Enacting the Kingdom. If you're getting value from this podcast and you'd like to support the show, you can head over to pryingpriest.com to become a patron. Also, five-star ratings with written reviews go a long way to getting the word out there about this show. Also, since Enacting the Kingdom is social media free, any word of mouth recommendations you can make to your friends and family would be greatly appreciated. We'll see you next time. 